1: Welcome back to Leaving Hill Song. My name's Tanya and this is part two of An Insignificant Gay Kid with Sarah from sunny Scotland. We really do cover a lot of topics in this conversation including purity culture, sexual assault, rape in marriage and gay conversion therapy, eating disorders and a whole lot of kind of just basic blasphemy that if you're not a diehard atheist might be difficult. In any case, you have been warned. I love this conversation and I think it's really important from a bunch of perspectives that we haven't had with the other two in Pride Month. So let's jump on into part two of an insignificant gay kid.
0: All the experiences I've had, it's like almost everyone could be delved into but the marriage though yeah that i mean it's something i don't visit that often think about but it was so tied up with church culture this is why it was so toxic and in a way not to give him any sort of like forgiveness for what he did he was a victim to it as well like he was actually raised in that christian outreach center church and okay. his whole family like none of them were vaccinated like they were all like you know
1: church seems to be so tied up into everything even when you are leaving did it all sort of happen at once the marriage breakdown, down the-
0: optically but in reality that marriage should never have happened in the first place it was i was too young I was in an environment where if a young couple starts going out, the whole church is like, oh, God's told me that this is the one for you. (gasps) Also, because you're raised in purity culture and you've prayed all your life that, when I meet someone it's going to be the one and they're going to take my virginity and it's going to be great it's almost like you're fed this almost like quiverful-esque purity culture thing so there's that and you believe you believe in God and you I, I believe that like oh well God must have brought me this person and this is maybe my way out of you know being an insignificant gay kid you know it was not a functional marriage from day one from neither of us how could a, how could any marriage be functional when neither of you have had sex before for a start Like, what a stupid concept to not have sex with someone before committing to them legally. It's just absurd. As you can imagine, we were completely sexually incompatible. A lot to do with the fact that, like, I'm gay. But also, (laughs) yeah, he. he, it turned out he, he lost his job because he was, like, voyeuristically watching women at his work. He got caught one time, but he'd done many, many things. Some of them, before I even married him, I knew about, but because I believed yeah. that God forgives these things, everything would be fine, which is another bullshit concept. And I I resent the fact that adults were not looking out for me at all. Yeah. Like my parents were just so caught up in wanting to be a big shot in the church and be a leader that they didn't think for a second that maybe this wasn't a great idea. Or and for me as well, the to go to circle back to the de-gaying thing, one of the pivotal things for me was. Mm-hmm. The most committed thing you can do in a church is a 40-day fast, isn't it? So, yeah. Like it's the most extreme, like, yeah, yeah, to God. And I, mm. what else can you do other than fast for 40 days? That's like the top dog of, you know, commitment. And when I was about 16, 17, in the space of one year, I did three 40-day fasts. So what do you mean by fast? So you would have water? Uh, To not eat for 40 days. Not eat. At all? At all. Just drink.
1: Water? Eat nothing
0: yeah I mean I had juice and stuff but not eat at all Um, and and as you can imagine well the effects for me was that ever since that not only was I so disappointed that I still was gay I just struggled with eating disorders the rest of my life because obviously you're 16 you're a female like you know I should have had an adult saying hey maybe this isn't a great idea but instead it it was looked at as like oh my god Sarah's so holy and so you know, into Jesus or whatnot. And I'm like, I'm just trying to change myself. But the reality oh. is it's psychologically damaging. And then, yeah, so did three 40-day fasts and all I got was this stupid uh, persistent <laughs> eating disorder. <laughs> just- Not even a t-shirt. <laughs> even, yeah, I've seen preachers even who, you know, they get booked to preach at the church because they're so anointed because they've done these 40-day fasts and everyone looks up to them, you know? And I just look at them and I'm just like, you're a grown man. bulimic you know it does get like what the reason i fasted was i was like i want to change i want to change and you know what it did change me did not change me in the way that i wanted it 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 is life-changing to deprive your body of food like that at such a young age and i think it almost gives people like a, a high like it's a control it's like a power thing you know Prophets love doing that, don't they? Prophets in church love fasting. It's a power thing, and it's also to lord over people and be like, "I'm more spiritual than you <laughs> because I don't eat." You know, it's it's absurd when you think about it. But
1: because it's not a three-day fast, forty days would have to have effects on the brain and develop. Oh, yeah, it's
0: psychologically yeah. Trigger you into altering. eating
1: disorder, disordered eating behavior. <laughs>
0: it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like six and you fast you know it's and three times back to back six weeks eating six weeks not eating six weeks eating six weeks not eating just to try and not be gay because that was the one thing that i felt like was holding me from going to heaven well i mean i could not practice being gay that was your other option but i'm not like that i'm like a, a normal sexual person um a
1: human being and stuff yeah yeah stuff like that (laughs) how did the church treat you in terms of your ex-husband's offenses
0: i'm trying to think of a word to describe it stupidly they treated it stupidly they obviously had no like they had no idea like the the pastors you know they'd grown up within the church they themselves like didn't know any non-christians they were just so Mm. It was so myopic and when it did happen obviously at the time you know he came home from work he'd been fired because he'd been caught he was arrested oh man okay. the press were, were sometimes around i i had a baby at the time, and we had a mortgage and i would just oh. went into complete numb mode, and i was like you have to get another job and of course the church's narrative was to frame it as a, oh well boys will be boys
1: okay um,
0: and obviously, I got ripped of all my responsibility at church because obviously we're both not worthy. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I got ostracized as well. They promised him counseling, which they never did. And that's not what he needed anyway. And firstly, I was praised for being so mature and staying with him. And that's probably the only regret I have in my life is not leaving him right there and then because I would have got custody of my child 100%. I wouldn't have had to fight the way I had to Mm and be dragged through the courts but I can't do anything about that now because I was I was young I had a baby I did not have the tools to know how to get out of it all I knew was you have to forgive anything of your spouse Mm -hmm. so that's what I did so I got praised for being so mature and just you know letting it go um but then also on the side it was pretty much implied that it's like the reason he's a sex offender is because you're not a good enough wife (sighs) which felt awful also then I I partook in a lot of sex I didn't want to have oh, oh and that was the other thing the church said um if you don't have sex with your husband demons will come into your home and harass your child wow um, where'd they get that from I know so that was really terrifying to me because I was terrified of that because I grew up being scared of demons and Satan so I was like Honestly, most of my life, I was just like, I just need to somehow try and have sex with him. I just need to try and have sex with him. Hated it. Had a lot of non consensual sex because of that. And the whole thing was reinforced by him as a person because he's a pervert. Okay. Not in in the good sense. Yeah. But like, (laughs) nothing, because I'm not slut-shaming perverts. Love those guys. (laughs) Also, the church really reinforced it not only through the culture of the church, but directly to us. And I think that was a lot of why I ended up pulling away as well, because I was just like, how can you tell a young woman who has a sex offender husband to just, I think the words were, just lie back and think of England. Literally. Which is firstly offensive because I'm Scottish. Um. (laughs) But just basically like, just let yourself be raped. That was basically the that was their angle yeah that's yeah, how it much. Much.
1: and did he not pick up on your uh, avoidant kind of
0: signals oh, of course he did and that made him more angry uh, and even when I was like look I you know I was like I don't know what to do I don't think I'm not I was like I, I'm not I'm not straight and I don't want to do this I don't want to you know th- there's nothing you can do because you're stuck in a you're, you're stuck in a trap of not just your marriage but the fact that your marriage is part of the cult you know you're part of that system so there's no way to really get out and that's why I said earlier I think the only way for me to get out was really to just absolutely self-destruct and I had to lose everything overnight I had to I lost every person every a bit of everything and I lost any money I had trying to because obviously he dragged me through the courts to say well she's a lesbian so she's about she's can't be a mother because gay people can't raise children yeah,
1: but this is I mean this is only what, eight, sixteen, seventeen
0: years ago? Or? Yeah. Are we like, over that yet? I mean, seriously? About 15 years ago. You'd be surprised. People think that in court <sighs> when mothers get what they want. It's not true. Because bear in mind that the the judges are all old white men. A lot yeah. of them are Christian, adjacent yeah. even. So it's all about this like, you know, family values, morals. But also, you know, they could just be, well, boys will be boys, But also the thing that was against me was, why are you bringing this up now Sarah? why would why did you not say at the time? And that's why my biggest regret is not taking him to court and leaving him the second that that happened, which is absolutely what I should have done. but I can't dwell on blaming myself on that because I genuinely did not have any tools to do that. like right. I, I was not raised with the tools to know how to do that. and I had no one I had yeah, I had no one to rely on even my friends that when I did break up with them, I went to stay with her, and when she found out I was gay, she kicked me out. And I had to say, thankfully, I had a studio because I'm, I'm an artist, and I had to stay in my studio for days and days because there was nowhere else to go.
1: A Christian friend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did your family react?
0: I don't <laughs> How do you done. imagine? Terribly, <laughs> terribly. <laughs> Although I have to say this, right? Coming out as gay was one thing. Because that's like an you know that's like a mental illness or a demon possession. I could, but when I came out as an atheist, that was more of a problem because that's that's uh seen as a defiance. You know, it's not seen as yeah. what atheism is, which is I'm not convinced it's seen as a I hate God kind of thing. And that actually was worse for them, which is funny because at least being gay, they can they can make you out to be a victim, you know, be like, oh, well. yeah, yeah you poor soul you've got same-sex attraction good jesus will help you on that but if you're like i don't believe that mm. you're like, oh, you're at you're defiant and that was worse
1: and where are things at now i mean did they make any progress or
0: i actually uh, i cut off my parents about three four years ago mm-hmm. i tried really hard well I, they're just too far gone man they're too far gone i had one final conversation with them to just glean if there was anything to to you know keep from that relationship yeah yeah there just wasn't and and they were neglectful and the whole thing with my parents is a whole other thing but again it's tied into the church and they were victims of that it was becoming not mentally healthy for me to have any contact with them and since I made that boundary because I wouldn't let anyone else in my life treat me like that friend anyone yeah. and i wouldn't them like that so i thought well just because you're my parents doesn't mean anything to me especially when they've not been there for me through the worst times in my life they were not there and so yeah i cut them off and i don't regret it for a second it was a great decision that's hard definitely- one and not one that oh. was easily made and a very hurtful one and a lot of grief but uh, it had to be done
1: and things have improved for you since or yeah
0: in terms of and i mean as a partner it makes me an amazing catch because there's no (laughs) in-laws i mean obviously i would have i would have loved to have a mother but i yeah what can you do you don't it it is better yeah it's better for me
1: i mean for all the terrified mothers out there that are listening to that what what do they need (laughs) to avoid (laughs) what do they need to avoid (laughs) honestly (laughs) well I mean it's interesting because you touched on this topic of neglect which is very very Mm. real and I you know I wonder so much about all these pastors kids that are fielded out from babysitter to babysitter
0: and same yeah I wonder about that too and I remember when I like the pastor's kids in my church they would just be like they'd be at church till two in the morning sitting Mm. on the back and yeah just like passed around but I think it's com- It's not just due to church. It's combined with the fact that that was a that was our family culture thing as well. Yeah, and yeah, and I don't want mothers to worry that their kids are going to cut them off because it's something that took me so much time and so much deliberation. And the reason that I had to cut my mother off, I, I don't give a f- about my dad really because he was just a nothing really. But <laughs> um. <laughs> no offense but I the reason I had to cut my mother off is because when I was young we were so close I was the youngest I was Mm -hmm. very close to her and the reason I had to cut her cut her off is because it was just too painful being with my mother and not having a mother if that makes sense yeah Um, that, that dichotomy of like I seek out mothering at every angle like that's truly my favorite thing is to be mothered and to be teased with that you know to be like you have a mother but she's not going to give you what you need was just too hurtful Mm. for me in a way it would have been easier if we'd been more distant as a child but the minute Mm. it really was the pernicious poison of evangelical christianity that got into them that made them so ambitious in the church and they not only neglected all their children because of my mother's nature she separated us all out like me and my siblings so we couldn't have the support of each other you know she would bad mouth one to the other blah 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 it was just such a poisonous environment and i'm actually quite a wee sensitive soul it was too much you know it was almost like being teased with having family and not having them because they think you're demon possessed and they want to degay you and they just believe stuff that is just wild just wildly untrue the onus is on you to prove that you, you can
1: justify life away from the fairy tale.
0: Yeah, you ha- <laughs> you have to conform, or you're not, you're not part of the family, and that's the same that's as horrible. the church, isn't it? I mean, we've uh, you'll have heard this from many people. It's like when you do conform and you mm, fit that white mm. middle class box, that's great. Um, yeah, you're great. You're part of the family. You know, have a, an iPhone. You'll be you can lead this youth group or whatnot. The minute you stray from it, you're nothing it's almost worse that they they sell you that false hope yes. and you see that in hell songs so much like it would be easier if you were just not really involved in the first place but it's the way they're like oh my god you know what a champion god loves you and like come along to this house group and wait for you like yeah we love you so much and love yeah. the, lo- you know love the sinner hate the sin come in and have and you know pasta with us or something and then and it's false and i find it just disgusting it's like so so inauthentic very just it is cruel and it just rubs up against who i am i just i think it's just so my whole life it was just so deeply incompatible with the whole thing for whatever reason and it was just endlessly embarrassing you know okay now
1: look um look tell us what life's been like since you got out what kind of advice would you give to someone else sort of you know similar to you in a, in a mm-hmm. sitting in a church with those kind of um, conflicts well, and not
0: sure and the years after i left church obviously you know you're seen as an absolute pariah but i tell you something the more you are yourself years down the line i can't tell you how many kids from the church of contact me being like i think i'm gay and actually i secretly really respected what you did and like have you got any advice and like honestly (sighs) just being the best authentic version of yourself is the best you can give to everyone around you everyone and how Um, do you do
1: that how do you you know how do you do that
0: well for me it's not editing myself it's not it's it's continually learning i think I don't know if you've maybe heard this from other people, but like I know I came out of the church with a furious thirst for knowledge to figure to know all the stuff that I didn't get to learn. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, give me every science book I can possibly get. Let me listen to everything, let me understand what logic and reason is and all these tools that you should have been given as a child. And I wasn't. Yeah. And that was really useful and beneficial to me. People been able to see that I'm, yeah, I'm I'm just myself and I've taken steps that were Quite brave, probably, if if I think about it. Not to like big myself up, but yeah, it cost me literally everything. Cost me everything, but it's the one thing I'm so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. out of
1: that
0: situation yeah and and to convey to people that it's like it's you know because people think oh you think that now but you're not really happy you know one day you'll come back to the lord and it's like no no i will not like i can't tell you how much lighter how much kinder how much more moral the world is outside of that uh, situation and almost restored some hope in humanity for me because we were raised to think that everyone who wasn't a christian you know was a baby molesting you know cannibal or something and it's just ridiculous
1: and then if you step outside you'll join them in the
0: yeah that's right and then you do step outside and you're like oh my god I'm actually I didn't turn into a rapist maybe maybe humans are altruistic by nature and it's actually the religion that perverts it but it's been an adventure afterwards I had I, I married the woman who I had an affair with and that turned out to Ah. not be a good relationship either we we were together for maybe nine ten years
1: how did you meet her by the way i'm interested in how did you kind of raise eyebrows at each other and i suppose this is one of the
0: ways i i got out of religion is i I, i'm a musician and i started playing just secular gigs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) exactly this is why yeah this is why you're not allowed to you know do that so music yeah so it meant i was out in the secular environment and my ex-wife was a music promoter at the time and she was putting on a show and i played and it just introduced me to musicians and i made friends with them also i i went to art school at the time so i met people there who were not christians and it turned Mm -hmm. out to be good people too and it just you know you started to realize you're like people who are not christians are not evil they just believe in a different thing so yeah long story short through music music was one of the reasons i stayed in church because i did it at church but also it was one of the the pathways out of church and i got a lot of flack for that you know i'd get into trouble a lot in church (laughs) for either questioning or pointing out that something was a bit cringe (laughs) or or for you know being at a pub but in the last few years that i was there i almost started doing these experiments at church right Hmm. where like think of Hillsong right and the band gets up on stage and it's like you have to be so pure to have that position don't you you have to be really anointed you know you pray before you got up on stage everyone's really pure and see if someone's not you know the pastor will be like actually you've got some sin in your life you're 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 off you know that's happened in my church where there was a guy playing the keyboard and they're like you've got sin in your life you need to step down I don't know what the f*** that was but i remember turning up to church and i was basically a general dog's body for the band i would get texts in the morning what instrument i was playing i would turn up and i would do it i played all the all the rules and sometimes i would turn up and i'd be like hungover, or i'd be like i just had sex with somebody last night yeah how come you can't tell that Try i live in a life a life of sin and it made me realize i'm like this is a performance i just perform the right thing and i'm like oh you know and it doesn't even matter. And I was like, you guys don't have a clue what you're talking about. Um, I can literally turn up and I can lead worship and everyone after be like, oh my God, are you're the most anointed worship leader ever. It was so beautiful. And I'm like, mm. what are you on about? It's in, it's in the same time. Remember that uh, Michael Guglielmucci, the healer song? I was just about to, I was just going to say, do you that know? Was, oh. That was hilarious. And I remember bursting out laughing in church when I found out that it was fake and getting into trouble for that. But I was like, guys... <laughs> Why did you put so much weight on it in the first place? You know, it's just, I just remember looking at it. Was it a big
1: deal in your church? That's all. Oh, yeah.
0: Everything was on Todd Bentley and Todd White. And people, I remember somebody being like, I can't believe you're not going home to watch Todd Bentley. And I'm just like, (sighs) I just remember looking around me at church being like, is everyone, is this actually happening? Like, is everyone actually buying this? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do other than just pull back and just I would still go. But I was totally checked out because I couldn't believe that people were just being so gullible. And I couldn't understand why people could. And I'm like, guys, you all have access to the same information on the Internet. What is wrong with you? And then the preacher, Kevin, would come up on stage and sometimes he'd use words that he didn't know the meaning of. And I'd be like, you realize that people in your audience understand the meaning of that word. You're, it's just nonsense. And I couldn't understand why I'm like, you really, you, you're just going to get away with this. I've been at university. They've read books.
1: Yeah, um, that's quite a common one as well. There was a beautiful photo that I think they've scrubbed off the internet. And it's got probably, I don't know, six or seven of these pastors praying for Mike Gugliamucci. he got oxygen tanks on and a mask yeah. on stage, yeah. and it's like not one of them, not one of them. Oh. You know, they know yeah. where God wants you to spend your money. Well, it's
0: funny how they can they can always discern that, can't they? Mm. They can always discern when you Building. need to sow money and you and you'll get it back, but they can never discern. You know, it's like Kenneth Copeland cancelling coronavirus two years ago, or yeah. or or do you remember a Bethel church and they tried to raise? Mm. I mean, this got is, is a really that's a sick one. That oh. is so sick, and I don't oh. understand how there's not more repercussions from that. Like the YouTube oh. videos of them singing, "Oh, live, get out of your oh, grave," and all that.
1: Grave, get out. And of they,
0: grave. it was a great song. Oh, beautiful, yeah, totally emotive. But in the meantime, that baby's sitting in a fucking morgue. Yeah,
1: not and the getting buried. Um, the parents. It's I mean, that must sick. be a living hell. The baby died. I mean, I think the child was what eighteen months or so.
0: Yeah.
1: And they made these people go for over a week, I think, of praying for the child to be raised from the dead. Under what kind of guide Like, who? what authority? Who
0: actually thought that that would happen? We've and never seen And then And
1: then they made a song on day three or four. Huh? Oh,
0: and the four. thing that disturbs me is that that stuff, that type of sick behaviour, goes hmm. completely unregulated. Why? Yeah. Because it's yeah. so common. That's a kind of like overt version of what's happening every day in the church. Disabled people getting preyed on. Yep. Um, yep. People yep. Grieving people getting preyed on. You know, someone could look at that from the outside and be like, why wasn't somebody being arrested? This yeah. is common. This is common practice. It's the same emotional bullshit. But at the end of the day, I wonder if, I mean, what are those parents going to be like in 20 years time? I sincerely yep. hope yep. that they'll be out of it but they'll be out of an age where they'll look back and think I wasted my life on that and it's a grief that only people who've been through this cultish system can really understand I think
1: Mm. I mean as as, on top of their own very natural grief and uh, there's stories all over of these churches stage managing deaths and funerals and just swooping in and taking over and I wonder if that didn't how from there how much joy they kind of had in this whole circus of a thing i mean
0: it's things like that that it's like the the deep offensiveness of the fact that these are the institutions that also want to claim monopoly on compassion and empathy and charity and they absolutely have it perverted like everything that is ethical they pervert yeah they package it up as well oh well you know you know the lord works in mysterious ways or whatever Mm -hmm. cherry-picked thing they want to to say to to avoid looking at what's actually happening in front of them
1: and and yeah nor do they care to kind of go hey do we are we doing the right thing does anybody want to maybe check according to best practice or uh recent research or I feel like
0: for for years in church, that was my stance was just like, I'd look around and be like, is this what we're actually going to be doing? Like, is this, Mm -hmm. are you sure, you know, and obviously that type of attitude, I would just labeled with, well, you know, I'm antagonistic and, you know, bit of a Jezebel probably at the end of the day, you know, classic, Mm. but I, 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 it still baffles me why some people get out some people stay in and sometimes I almost wonder if it's something to do with neurotypical people and neurodiverse people
1: keep going because, you know, because yeah. there is some now some, no, <laughs> some think, thinking on that what do you think
0: I don't know I don't know but yeah. I do think that I mean I myself am neurodiverse I'm yeah. on the yeah. autistic spectrum and I think that we tend to think clearer uh, there's no passive aggression neurotypical yeah. people tend to say stuff and mean something different and
1: right. Yes. Make all know, that normal um, people conversation about weather and things. Yeah.
0: This type of church is set up for white, cisgendered, mm. straight, uh middle class, neurotypical people. And all those aspects, if you're on the on the outskirts of that, you're not part of the boys' club, which in a way is the thing that gets gets a lot of us out of it, I think. Yeah. 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 So Bittersweet. Mean- you,
1: there's nothing to relate to. Last week we brought this up as well. But there's a huge proportion of people in this community, xn and current yes. yeah.
0: churchgoers
1: on the autism spectrum. It just comes up time and time yeah. again. And I think there's an attraction there to very clear roles and literal black and white thinking. But then
0: church is not black and white thinking. Like uh, it's, it's, black, uh. it's black and white. I think it's black and white morally with abs- the moral absolutes. But everything is well, so passive and covert. Mm, like the manipulation is covert. Mm. Everything is designed to undermine the psyche, and I just feel like I could see through it. That was the thing. That was the thing that really got me out of it. I could. I felt like I couldn't understand why people couldn't see through the sh- the same way I could. You know, baffled. Yeah, baffled. You obviously very
1: insightful about the whole thing and very clear in terms of your position. A lot of people have got a lot of sort of ah. Oh, you know i'd like to allow for this or that wasn't so bad but you're you know mm. you see things crystal clear it, you, what do you make of your own sort of experience of mm. trauma and what it was like because i mean you said you lost everything overnight and how do you pick up the pieces and and start a new life this is what people are terrified of. Like, what kind yeah, of life
0: sorry it's been well not that long really hey yeah i mean i've been out of the yeah not i feel like i've been out of the church for maybe about 20 years but i didn't physically leave till i was yeah, 27. yeah but then so much because of obviously i was young enough as well where i could still develop new relationships i could uh, learn yeah i feel sorry for people who leave christianity or like scientology or all these types of cults when they're like in their 60s and it's like how do you you like what you said earlier how do you eat an elephant like where do you start Um, for me I think I have quite a pragmatic approach to trauma like I acknowledge that there was a lot of really psychologically damaging stuff that happened but I'm not special like this is what happens to everyone who goes through religious trauma which is also something that scientifically is still being looked into I think it's very difficult this this is something that I would love to maybe hear from other of your listeners about actually is my relationship to Mm -hmm. hawking therapy because I find that personally, I mean, I think it's a great study. I think it's very useful for people. But because of my background in church, where you mm. get a lot of sort of full therapy, don't you? And mm. um, you get a lot of counseling mm. offered to you. There's and so much they-
1: talking. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also, they teach you how to do it. And it's almost like it's really fucked me up for therapy for the rest of my life because, firstly, I go to therapy when people find out one percent of what you've been through they want to fetishize it and be like oh you grew up in a cult? oh, that's insane and I'm like I'm not here for you to fetishize this I just want to know how to live my life better mm-hmm. but then secondly it's second nature to me to start psychoanalyzing them because that's just, that's what we were taught to do in church you know okay and um, they use these psychotherapeutic uh, techniques but they don't know that they're doing it and it's per- it's a perverted version of it you mean it's a bit hand like hand like hand if you were you know like maybe you'd be counselling someone you'd pray over them and you'd be like god showing that you've got this trauma and what we really need to do is like you know find out from your childhood where that came from and mm. you know things that are therapy adjacent but they're not therapy and i'd be really interested to know if there's other excretions like that out there like me that i would love to be able to do therapy but i just it's so loaded
1: mm. it's very hard
0: to find a therapist that's. It, very um scientific approach like mm-hmm. i had one once that you know her instagram handle was like namaste and i was just like this is not going to work because any mm-hmm. slight hint of superstition or anything that's not completely to do yeah. with like yeah and um, neurology yeah. i'm out and i don't yeah. know whether that's because i'm neurodiverse but it's not it's because yeah. I truly yeah i truly only believe in like hard science and anyway don't know how i got into that but it's difficult because yeah we were talking about trauma like therapy would be great and i've had it through the years but i find it really difficult i find the thing that helps me most with trauma is talking to other ex-christians yeah connection yeah and confiding and and you know creating any sense of community because for all us ex-christians community was the thing that was ripped away from us so quickly mm. um and that in itself is a trauma. Like I would love to be able to believe that Jesus is real and that I'll go to heaven, but I just can't believe it because it's just completely unbelievable. But it would be nice to be in that box of comfort and sort of smug, happy, clappy Christianity where everyone else thinks you're an absolute moron, but you think you're great, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> It'd it's it it? interesting. I
1: mean, that um, you know, all the different kinds of community that are out there get replaced with this one singular community which yeah. doesn't you know it doesn't replace all those other things
0: by a long yeah. shot. And to be fair, the church has done has done Artificial. community so so mm. well for years because not only are they funded, they also cover up people's they don't hold anyone accountable. Like mm-hmm. if I was a paedophile, the first place I would go would be church. Because I I can I, I know it sounds crass but like it's yeah. true because um, I've seen it time and time again abuse happens it gets covered it gets perpetuated it happens it gets covered it's like oh boys will be boys or it's like oh well they're in sin it's 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 like a perfect environment for abuse and that's not gonna like for anyone to come out of it it's gonna give trauma so as I say I'm not special mm-hmm. with my trauma but I think people who've had that type of trauma we are very special and individual and for me it makes talking therapy problematic but most of the time I just I I just have to have a laugh about it and know that most people (laughs) around me won't even understand it you know
1: yeah I difficult to describe hey I remember being told quite early on that it's the true believers who suffer the most because you know the ones that really wanted to believe this was all real and
0: oh because i was truly truly Mm. believed it i was really invested wanted to do anything i could for jesus like that's the thing people you know people think oh you're an atheist well you're never proper christian it's like i was more invested Mm. than most people i knew i was proper into i i know the bible more more than most christians i know it's Mm. not for a lack of trying i really tried but i failed (laughs) Thank.
1: i think that's a great place
0: yes i don't want your brain to fall apart i um, truly understand it's late at night for you i'd be dead but yeah i feel like this is an, ov- an overview if you ever want to talk about anything specific yeah lovely. That.
1: that was just amazing sarah thank you thank you so much for being so open and yeah. well and giving us a bit of a holiday away to the other <laughs> side of the world
0: yeah. sunny scotland <laughs> <laughs> i put on my best international scottish which i have to do when i'm traveling so Mm,
1: beautiful lovely
0: hopefully understandable
1: (laughs) and you'll come and talk to us again as we go along yeah absolutely
0: just give me a shout
1: thank you and bye bye and thank you so much to sarah for the really deep and honest conversation about this life and what it's like. If you want to leave your comments to get back to her about some of the things we're talking about, that would be really great. If you want to find Sarah's art where she has really investigated evangelical life, you can find her at sarahjstanley.com and there's a bunch of websites there with a variety of art and it's amazing stuff, so check it out. Please remember to share these episodes with anyone that you think will find it helpful and follow us and subscribe and like and all of that kind of stuff. We'll be back soon with brand new content going in all kinds of different directions that we haven't really explored yet. It's taken a while to try and figure out how to streamline all of the stuff we need to cover and to find people who are ready. And well, which is most important. So, until we talk next, just keep leaving Hillsong any way you can. Be kind to each other and be kind to yourselves. This is hard stuff. And we'll talk then. Bye.